Good morning. It's time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN as we take a look at some of the stories that are impacting you and what we're going to be talking about in the next couple hours. Susan Littlefield is here with us along with Brandon Bennett and Bob Brogan. And uh, we'll start it off with Susan, as always. And you guys got some rain over there, some needed rain you talked about. So that's good news. It is. It's kind of nice to be sitting here the 10th of July, not hearing pivots running. So we did get, we got about three inches spotty here and there. Nothing like what you guys got in, in your neck of the woods. It's been a, kind of a crazy growing season, that's for sure. Boy, isn't it? But it looks like the weather is going to cooperate for a while and have some of that kind of weather that uh, grows corn. So that'll be good. Very much so. All right. What do you got for us today, Susan? Coming up at 1219, we'll get more on BASF, their weekly crop report from their agronomist. We'll find out all the ins and outs, how this weather is affecting the growth of the crop. Then at 1245, Alex jumps in as they speak with three of eight UNL journalism students that are spending their summer doing some documenting of stories from the state's most widespread natural disasters. As we know, more natural disasters continuing as we speak. That brings us into the 117 as Shaley gets an update from the NDEQ on all the flooding issues. So lots happening from us on the midday. All right, always. Thank you so much, Susan. Have a yep. great day. You too. We turn it over to Brandon Bennett and uh, women's soccer go through the Canyon of Heroes. Uh, I think they were the last two groups to do that, so that's pretty cool. And doggone American League wins again. And, you know, it's always good when the junior circuit, so to speak, even though the junior circuit really isn't that much younger than the senior circuit, it always is good because, you know, I'm a Kansas City Royals fan, and they're in the American League, at least for now, until they completely realign schedules again. But well, it's always good to see. Yeah, What is it, seven or eight in a row now, I think? It's Ish, really crazy, yeah. considering that it's like 44 to 43 and right. two. So it's really close, but there for a while the National League went on a run, and now the Americans... Definitely doing that. Too. Other things in sports, the more things change, the more things stay the same with all of the flooding going on, a number of sports events getting moved or canceled. Otherwise, the Nebraska State Little League Tournament that was supposed to be in Kearney beginning next weekend, beginning on July 18th and running through the 22nd, that had to be postponed, and I'm sorry, not postponed, but relocated to Blair mm. because of all the flooding in the Kearney Hotel District right off the interstate. They are now no longer able to host and house all of the parents and the teams. So again, the Kearney, or the Nebraska Little League Tournament, the 10s and 12s have been moved to Blair. The tournament is still on, but just at a different location. Mr. Miss Basketball teen, senior games, those are still on, but the Miss Basketball Showcase has been canceled. We'll hear from event organizer Doug Coster. And I mentioned earlier, the more things stay the same. Right now in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon, it's Wimbledon, not Wimbledon. Wimbledon semifinals. Novak Djokovic reaching it for the ninth time. And others, Roger Federer, eight-time champion, and also Rafael Nadal. So in the quarterfinals, three guys that we hear from every single quarterfinal. Yeah, it's not not something new there, that's for sure. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. Speaking of not something new, uh, what do you got for us today? Stocks are rising as Fed Chair Powell signals rate cuts or a rate cut. Stocks rose and bond yields fell as investors welcome new signals that the Federal Reserve is ready cut interest rates for the first time in a decade. Also, American Airlines saying the grounding of its Boeing 737 MAX jets led to $185 million in lost income during the second quarter. 
Those stories and more coming up. Ouch. All right. That's all coming up. The question the KRVN crew gets most, when are you going to call my initials? For more than 65 years, we've been spinning that monogram money wheel to give you a chance to match your lucky name to our lucky letters. Simple rules, great winnings, awarding more than $200,000 over the course of our rich history. And we won't be satisfied until you're a winner. Mornings with Paul Perkins. Afternoons with Brandon Bennett. Saturday mornings, too. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with me as always. And, you know, there's the old adage that God willing and the creek don't rise. And the creek's been rising in a lot of areas the last couple days. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, numerous uh, flooded uh, discussions to talk about here impacting the area. The water's starting to recede in some mm-hmm. areas, but also moving towards the east. So the flooding problems moving a little bit further to the east, especially from Kearney towards Gibbon and Wood River and Alden on down the stream front on the Wood River and Platte River there. It's like we talked about yesterday. It's got to go somewhere, and uh-huh. the ground's pretty saturated, so it's not soaking in. So it's just following the streams down. Exactly. Mm. But luckily, we've got some drier air across the area. You can see, feel it when you do walk outside. I know uh, Lake KRVN is much smaller to the west of us for today. The water is starting to recede or at least evaporate some northwest winds helping with that. And also lower humidity. You'll probably notice that. have been noticing that for today. Dew points currently across the area, mainly in the 50s as opposed to some upper 60s to low 70s that we experienced just a few days ago. Dew points on into the low and mid 40s over northeast Colorado and down to 49 on the dew point in the Imperial area. A lot of us with dew points in the mid to upper 50s, so very comfortable. Actual air temperatures, mostly in the low and mid 70s. We do have some upper 70s to around 80 as you head into eastern Nebraska and central and east Kansas. Temperatures in the mid and upper 60s on into the Nebraska panhandle. Significant flooding expected to continue in the next several days due to the runoff from the recent heavy rain, particularly along the Wood River, Platte River, and Republican River in south-central Nebraska. Highway 30 is closed from Kearney east to Shelton, but Highway 30 now is open from Kearney to Elm Creek. The road from Odessa to I-80 still remains closed, but once again, Highway 30 is closed from Kearney to Shelton, but is back open from Kearney to Elm Creek. 2nd Avenue in South Kearney does remain closed from 11th Street to I-80, with traffic being detoured to the East Kearney exit. The water has receded slightly in southern portions of Kearney, but several feet of standing water still remains in parking lots of businesses to that region. Street flooding is occurring now in Gibbon. Recent flooding, or record flooding, is forecast on the Wood River near Gibbon. Damage to Gibbon is expected to be extensive. In addition, many rural homes and roads will be flooded. There will also be extensive flooding in the town of Wood River, downstream of the Wood River from Gibbon. Major flooding also forecast on the Wood River near Alda. Water will begin to flow across the Alda Road and over Highway 30 to the west of Alda. Record flooding forecast along the Republican River near Orleans. Flooding of rural land will be widespread, but the town of Orleans not in the floodplain. A flood warning for the Platte River near Grand Island will go into effect this evening. That will run until further notice with major flooding forecasted there. And record flooding is forecast along the Republican River at Guide Rock Highway 78 to the south of the bridge will be impacted. Now, many other areas also experience a minor to moderate flooding. Those are just the advisories where people are experiencing major to record flooding. Today will be sunny across the area, much lower on the humidity. 
Thanks to high pressure settling in, temperatures slightly cooler than normal today with those breezy northwest winds kicking in. Tomorrow marks the beginning of a period of near to above normal temperatures nearly every day through the middle of next week. High pressure at the surface sliding off towards the east will kick our winds back around to the south for tomorrow. A ridge of high pressure building out to the plains will keep those thunderstorm chances up and away from us. The heat will continue to build underneath that high pressure dome through at least the next week. Triple-digit heat is possible by the early half of next week over southwestern areas. Now, the remnants of a tropical storm over the Gulf of Mexico may actually rob us of any higher humidity flowing up and any oppressive heat index reading. So, some good signs there as far as it won't be too humid with that heat. In the long-term forecast, temperatures are likely to be warmer than normal from Monday through July 23rd for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. Near normal to below normal rainfall is indicated for Nebraska, Kansas, Monday through the 23rd. Weather factors impacting the markets include a mixed midsummer weather pattern in the Midwest and drier conditions for the Southern Plains wheat harvest. Low pressure over the northern Gulf of Mexico should become Tropical Storm Barry later in this week. I miss, I guess, the A Tropical Storm. I, I don't know. Archie? Maybe? I, I don't know what it was. There? No, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Just making it up. <laughs> but yeah, Tropical Storm Barry later in this week expected to form over the northern Gulf of Mexico. Five day rain totals in the central Gulf Coast should exceed 10 inches. The south and east U.S. will experience locally heavy rain from the tropical moisture and a cold front. Only widely scattered rain will dot the plains, Rockies, and upper Midwest. Warmer and drier weather in the eastern Midwest the next five days will favor crop progress. The western Midwest will have seasonably warm temperatures and more thunderstorms for a mostly favorable impact. In the southern plains, drier and warmer weather the rest of this week will favor the wheat harvest. Recent rains in the southern plains have helped to maintain adequate to surplus soil moisture for the summer crops. But the water receding in some areas, but also moving further on down the pike uh, towards the east. And folks in uh, Gibbon and Wood River and stuff need to, need to you know, they're going to have a mess. To deal with yeah, um, once again, another major mess for those uh, uh, folks. And once again, Highway 30 closed because of the flooding from Kearney to Shelton. So major stretch of road. Uh, watch out for the detours. Take advantage of those detours and don't drive into the water. Turn it around and don't drown. If you're in Buffalo County, you probably you want to stay off Highway 30 and you probably want to stay off those country roads because they're not going to be very good. Exactly. Either. And, you know, earlier today, the highway north of Kearney was mm-hmm. closed for a while. So traveling to Kearney for a while, uh, very Difficult. limited. Uh, the eastern exit and... Uh, maybe it was coming in from the east, but then that was starting to be impacted by early morning, too. So, My goodness. All right. Very good. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate hearing that it's going to dry up and uh, dry up for a little while. I'm glad to see yeah, that. We're, we're actually looking forward to a dry and hot period here. That seems, that seems weird, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Very good. All right. Thank you, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. It's time again this week for our BASF update. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and we get to visit with Eric Schultz this week, our BASF technical service representative. Eric, it's certainly been an interesting year, and we are just about to the end of these updates for this growing season, but let's just first get an update with you on what you're seeing with your growers out in the field. Uh, certainly. There's, there's a lot of words that could be said about the year and all of the time that got us to this point but we're here and i must say it's an exciting time we're starting to see a lot of tassels emerging in the cornfields 
Um, a majority of those cornfields were ones that were planted in mid to late April, and we're seeing the tops of the tassels or even a couple branches unfolding. And in the soybeans, another kind of exciting time as well. We are uh, not only putting on flowers, but we're also moving into the R2 growth stage on a lot of our soybeans planted again towards the end of April. And uh, this is an important and exciting time because we're starting to talk about real yield impacts and protection that we need with fungicide applications. Let's go into disease pressure a little bit. Talk about maybe any issues that you've seen there or other issues that have come up with producers as their crop really starts to take off and get into some critical points in the growing season. Uh, yes, it's uh, been a little few and far between on the uh, soybean disease front and really on the corn disease front up till now. A little bit of rust here or there, common rust, some bacterial leaf streak in corn. Um a little bit of frog eye leaf spot and the brown spot in soybeans. Um, disease pressure is certainly a little limiting up to this point, but as we know, August is the month where beans are made, and that month uh, is coming in hot and heavy here before you know it, and we want to make sure that we get protection out there. Really what we've seen a lot of in the soybean side of things this year is soybean insects kicked off with some thistle caterpillars and then followed that up with soybean uh, gall midge starting to emerge on the eastern side. And now we also have Japanese beetles that are coming into play as well. And so as many growers know, as you know, uh, when you deal with insects and pests, uh, they can come on very quickly. Talk about some of those management strategies, what you're recommending to growers. Very, very true. And we saw that a lot with the thistle caterpillars uh, kind of over the last three, four, five weeks. And Japanese beetles, uh, we want to look for a threshold of 20% defoliation now that we are in the reproductive stages. And so that threshold is very important. uh, And we want to be able to scout the entirety of the field, not just the field margins or the field edges, because that's where they usually congregate first. Uh, But make sure you get a good picture of the entire field. Uh, But making a treatment decision, we can throw an insecticide in with our fungicide application uh, at R2 to R4 growth stages uh, during that optimal timing for our fungicide. All right. And again, it has certainly been an interesting and unique growing season this far. Anything else you think growers should have on their radar? Uh, I just think that it's... uh, it's been a wild year to say the least, uh, but now that we have tassels coming and flowers, uh, open flowers moving up the soybean stem, uh, now we get an opportunity to finish out this crop with our next decisions. And I just want to push uh, a good uh, uh, plug for fungicide and insecticide considerations here. Eric Schultz, your BASF Technical Service Representative with this week's BASF Update on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Shaylee Peters. Over the past 18 years, KRVN, The River, and Cami have given away some pretty incredible vehicles, and this year will be no exception. We're also honoring our Nebraska Strong this summer, so follow us to special Nebraska events, fairs, festivals, and concerts all summer long and register for your chance to win a brand new 2018 Ram 4x4 pickup. This beauty has a custom Dodge bulge hood and a spray-on bedliner. Being Nebraska Strong, we would like to encourage you to continue with relief efforts to our friends, neighbors, and family across the state by making donations through 
through Nebraska Farm Bureau. Helping us bring the Ram to your town is Foz Garage, Arapaho and Bob Motor Company, Cambridge, Eustis Body Shop, Eustis, Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln, and Central Valley Irrigation, Holdridge, Lexington, and Kearney. Head over to the Fun and Games page at krvn.com to find out when the Ram will be in your area. Register and you could be bringing it home. Time for us to take a look at sports. Here's Brandon. Hey, thanks, Scott. The American League won its seventh consecutive All-Star game last night, downing the National League 4-3 to in Cleveland. AL hurlers combined to allow just five hits while striking out 16, with game MVP Shane Bieber, Liam Hendricks, and Araldus Chapman each fanning the side. Michael Brantley opened the scoring with an RBI double in the second, and Joey Gallo added a solo shot that put the junior circuit ahead 4-1 to in the seventh inning. The Mr. Basketball and Miss Basketball Kearney Senior All-Star Games will feature the area's top seniors from last winter. Both games will still be played on Sunday, July 14th. The girls' game is set to tip off at 6.30 at the UNK Health and Sports Center with a boys' game to follow at about 7.30 p.m. You can still get tickets for the action for both All-Star Games at $5 for adults and $4 for youth, age kindergarten through 8th grade. With the recent flooding, however, that has devastated the motel district in Kearney, they have been forced to cancel the Miss Basketball Showcase scheduled for July 12th through the 14th. Event organizer Doug Coster says with the great majority of the teams unable to find lodging due to the motels being shut down, there was not an option that would provide the teams and the guests with the kind of experience they have come to expect from a Mr. Basketball Incorporated event, end quote. And another sports-related scheduling issue because of the flooding in Kearney, the 2019 Nebraska Little League State Baseball Tournament, scheduled for Kearney the weekend of the 18th through the 22nd, has been moved to Blair, while the tournament dates haven't been changed. With teams unable to find lodging in Kearney due to the flooding, the tournament was relocated to Blair. Longtime Nebraska softball coach Rhonda Revel has been put on administrative leave pending the completion of an undisclosed review. The Lincoln Journal-Star reports the timetable for the review is not immediately known. Revelle just completed her 27th season with the Huskers and has a career record of 989 wins against 568 losses. The Nebraska women's basketball team will take part in the South Point shootout in Las Vegas on November 29th and 30th this year. The Huskers will battle USC on Friday night the 29th and will also play Sacred Heart on Saturday, November 30th. Nebraska first appeared in the shootout in 2016 playing Washington State and Virginia. Former Husker football players Alex Henry and Jay Foreman headline a class of five players, including four Huskers and a state college coach, to be inducted into the Nebraska Football Hall of Fame in September. The two other Huskers are Mark Benning and Greg Jorgensen, former UNK Loper, wide receiver Richie Ross, and former Shadron State coach and athletic director Brad Smith will be inducted as well. The class will be introduced before the Huskers football game on September 14th against Northern Illinois. Grand Island will host a special event tomorrow night entitled A Night of Nebraska Volleyball. The event is a fundraiser for the Nebraska Greats Foundation. Former Husker Johnny Dorn is one of the organizers of the event, and he talks about how the event will work. We're putting on the volleyball night in Nebraska, which is a banquet-style setting. We've got a social hour and VIP session available uh, before the actual event itself, and then we'll lead into uh, a dinner, uh, introductions, presentations. Former Husker coach Terry Pettit, current coach John Cook, and Creighton coach Kristen Booth will be on hand to tell stories about the growth of volleyball in the state. Special awards of distinction will be given to former UNO Mavericks coach Rose Shires, UNK Lopers head coach Rick Squires, and new UNO Mavericks coach Matt Buttermore. All the proceeds from the event will help benefit the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which provides financial assistance to former Nebraska male and female college athletes who, as a result of a medical challenge, have exhausted both their insurance and personal resources. And Novak Djokovic has reached the Wimbledon semifinals for the ninth time. Among today's other quarterfinals, feature eight-time champion Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. 
That's a check of sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is straight ahead. You're listening to the Rule Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at news that's affecting us here in central Nebraska. And my goodness, Bob Brogan, uh, we deal a little bit with the aftermath today of all of the rain that fell a couple days ago. And we're still in shock, but uh, we have to move forward. We have to put one foot in front of the other, and that's what everybody's doing out there. Uh, After the initial shock wears off, you move on. Significant rain that fell in central Nebraska earlier this week. Those rains moving downstream on the Platte River. The floodwaters are expected to crest in Gibbon this afternoon, to crest in Wood River around noon Thursday, and to crest in Alda midday Friday, according to officials with the National Weather Service office in Hastings. We have been informed that the Red Cross shelter at Lexington High School remains in operation. However, they do not need any more volunteers at this time. Tomorrow morning, they will evaluate whether they need any volunteers going forward. Meanwhile, the University of Nebraska at Kearney announcing it's offering dorm space as temporary housing for people affected in Kearney and surrounding communities. As of this time, it is still in operation. Communities in central Nebraska are in the recovery mode from recent floods. Governor Pete Ricketts, Nebraska Emergency Management Director Brian Tuma, and other dignitaries flew around the affected communities today. Tuma talks about the early response from the state. The only request that we've gotten so far has been for uh, acquisition of additional sandbagging materials, and we've acquired that through the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, got that distributed to folks. Uh, We have not done any search and rescue missions. Nobody has requested that from the state, uh, but I believe we saw some of that activity occurring on our flyover Uh, this morning. So we will continue to monitor. Uh, We will uh, continue to operate and react to any issues that come up at the local level and uh, and then we'll assist uh, the local jurisdictions with damage assessments in the following days and weeks uh, after the event. Flooding is taking place in parts of Gibbon forcing Highway 30 east from Kearney to Shelton to close. Meanwhile the uh, Highway 30 from Elm Creek to Kearney is apparently open once again. Second uh, Avenue in South Kearney is open, but you are encouraged to use the East Kearney exit. Water has receded slightly in Southern Kearney, but several feet of standing water remains in parking lots. The waters are receding in Cozad. Officials would still like people to be conservative with their use of water. That according to Cozad Mayor Marcus Clipping. The lift stations are all still running full bore right now. The water treatment plant is uh, catching up a little bit. It's still a little bit over its limits right now. Um, He would like another 24 hours of low water usage or controlled water usage uh, in COZAD just to try to help get everything caught back up. But he feels and I feel that hopefully another 24 hours will be almost back to normal when it comes to uh, our sewer lines. Clipping says the recycling center along with McCant Street and Second Street are still closed. Also, uh, in the uh, in some areas, they are sandbagging. Grand Island Hall County Emergency Management Director John Rosenlund issued a call for volunteers today to help in resta- response to flooding on the Platte River. The volunteers were needed in Wood River to fill and move sandbags. They were saying they needed at least 50 volunteers, preferably those with shovels, pickups, and trailers, and volunteers were urged to meet at Wood River High School. 
That's a check of the news, uh, and there's more going on, and uh, we'll keep you informed on that. Well, there certainly is, Bob. Thank you. It looks like uh, Gibbon and Wood River kind of in the bullseye right now for these uh, waters coming down the stream. Yes, and uh, there's going to be more ahead and uh, more recovery. Okay. Thank you, Bob. agriculture is a big commitment. When KRVN takes you on the road for agriculture, you might hear us reporting across town, across the country, or across the ocean. We thank our equally committed on-the-road sponsors, the Nebraska Corn Board, Nebraska Land National Bank, and the Nebraska Soybean Board, powering our ag news travel aboard the KRVN Soy Biodiesel Pickup. On the road for agriculture, because it's a big story. A day after massive flooding inundated South Kearney and Lexington and surrounding areas, Governor Pete Ricketts and state senators surveyed flooding damage in central Nebraska with the Nebraska National Guard, Nebraska Emergency Management Agency, and Federal Emergency Management Agencies. For KRVN, I'm Tyler Cavalli. Well, earlier today, we caught up with State Senator Matt Williams of Gothenburg after he surveyed the damage. He says it's still a long way for recovery in the next days and months ahead. Well, we flew over a great portion of Dawson County, in particular Lexington and Overton, and saw what was going on there and the, and the damage, and uh, really appreciate the fact that the governor and FEMA reacted very quickly to be here to survey this so that we can get the disaster declaration extended and, and, and moving forward. First of all, I want to thank uh, all the people that are out there helping other people. We have great resiliency in Nebraska, and I have no doubt that people will do that, and we want to encourage people to stay safe at this point. Uh, listen to your city people. I know the city people in uh, Lexington, Mayor Faggett and others are working very hard and diligently to be sure that power is on everywhere, that water supply is, is uh, okay to drink and all those kind of things. So we won't know the full damage until we continue to see what happens. But good news at this point, the water's receding. Uh, the bad news of that is going downstream, so our neighbors to the east are, are still going to see some higher water in Gibbon and other places. What did you see when you were up there in the helicopter? Was there still a lot of standing water, not only in the communities, but in the rural areas as well? Absolutely, especially those rural areas that uh, are along the river systems, both the, uh, the Wood River that we saw and, uh, of course, the Platte River through, right through Dawson County. But uh, over Lexington, you certainly still see standing water in areas around the ethanol facility, around Tyson's, around some of the new homes that have been built in the uh, south portion of Lexington, some of the new uh, workforce housing programs and the affordable housing programs. So we'll have to see what the long-term damage of that is. How many evacuations do you know, kind of a ballpark number, in the Dawson County, maybe Lexington area? I have not heard any specific numbers yet in Dawson County about evacuations. I'm sure there have to be some. When you're flying yeah. over, you see farmsteads that are uh, have a moat around them right now. So uh, those people are uh, uh, most likely evacuated. Uh, Kearney itself is experiencing more evacuations that we've heard of. Uh, approximately 300 people are currently in the uh, dorm situations at UNK and, and really proud of how our university system has stepped up, including UNMC that has called uh, today offering medical services of any kind as needs start to arise in that area. So again, the resiliency of people. 
American Red Cross, obviously they have a little shelter at the Lexington High School. What's been the response like there? What I have heard, I have not been there yet. I hope to be there yet today, but uh, what I have heard is very good. Uh, again, we have people that uh, are willing to step up and help. One thing we are asking people right now is uh, be sure to coordinate what you are doing. We don't know for sure what the needs are. It appears right now that drinking water is okay in uh, uh, Lexington, and, and it certainly is here in Kearney where I am right now. So the need for water isn't the same as it has been at other times. But we do have needs, and we will be, uh, the Red Cross will be letting everybody know what those are. When you were out there, did you notice a lot of um, damage maybe to, to structures, to roads, to, to, to fields? We saw a lot of standing water in fields. We did not see, uh, in particular, where we were much road damage yet. But in those areas, the water hadn't receded, so it's a little hard to tell what the damage is, and especially with some of the bridges that, uh, again, had some uh, strain put on all of those things last uh, February and March with the flooding at that time. So um, counties will be busy. One last thing, what is next now for not only Kearney, but for the Dawson County, for everyone now? Well, the first thing is to keep people safe right now and be sure that we restore power and water and the necessities of life as quickly as we can. Then following that is the longer-term assessment for damages, for insurance purposes, for uh, the USDA with the ag situations, with water standing on the ag ground. Uh, small Business Administration and FEMA for uh, businesses that have been affected and of course per people's own private insurance companies will be involved. So a lot of work that needs to be assessed after we determine, uh, uh, after the water disappears and we're drying up. Thanks to State Senator Matt Williams of Gothenburg for joining us today. For KRVN, I'm Tyler Cavalli. We're here with Marcus Klepping, the mayor of Cozad, and, uh, well, Mr. Mayor, I kind of wanted to get a status report. How are things looking in Cozad after all of the rain? Uh, things are drying up pretty nice here. Uh, we still, I talked with Dallas Nichols, our uh, water commissioner, and uh, the lift stations are all still running full bore right now. The water treatment plant is uh, catching up a little bit. It's still a little bit over its limits right now. Um, he would like another 24 hours of low water usage or controlled water usage uh, in COZAD just to try to help get everything caught back up. But he feels, and I feel, that hopefully another 24 hours will be almost back to normal when it comes to uh, our sewer lines. Uh, Jimmy Winemaster, our uh, street foreman, talked to him this morning. Our recycling center is still closed uh, due to water right now. They're dealing with bigger issues than hauling and gravel there. Uh, McCant Street and 2nd Street are still closed. Um, other than that, everything else is back open in town. Um, he would like to remind people, though, if we do put cones up to try to uh, stay off those streets, um, even if you live on them, try not to drive down those. But uh, really, everything else is, uh, you know, all things considered, we could be a lot worse off. So it's, it's, it's getting better hour by hour, day by day, I would say. I assume a lot of people in Cozad, I know that the water table is pretty high there. A lot of people are probably pumping out of uh, basements. Have you been seeing that? Yes, we have a lot. I know we've had a lot of people tearing out their basements again uh, because of the amount of water. We had our sewer lines back up, and uh, people that had, uh, especially bathrooms in their basements, had issues with that. 
but yeah, up and down about every street in Cozad, you see a lot of hoses out windows and outdoors pumping right now. So it's one of the problems of living in such a flat, flat city with a high water table. But this year it's just been a, uh, you know, an unfunny joke, I guess, between the snowstorms and the early melt we had and now this rain. It's been a really a test of people's fortitude to live in this kind of area. So. Have you had any discussions with uh, some of your experts in town about things that you can do in the future, or is there anything really that can be done? There's not really a whole lot can, that can be done because of our naturally high water table. You know, we sit on the sit on the aquifer, and I remember as a child even being able to dig down in my sandbox a couple feet and hit water. And you know, they've they've had talks about dewatering coves that if that would be possible, um, ideas like that, but. Really, there's no real, um, no real plan in place, no real idea going forward. Um, I know we're really hoping it's going to heat up, and our our farmers, our neighborhood farmers, will start kicking on wells. Hasn't happened yet, but we're hoping if that would happen, that would help draw down that water a little bit. All right, very good. Well, it sounds like uh, it's things are starting to go in the right direction for Cozad, so that's certainly good news. That's Marcus Klepping, the mayor of Cozad, here on the Rural Radio Network. To keep in mind as the flooding causes issues for our livestock producers. I'm Shaylee Peters with you now on the Rural Radio Network. Our guest today, Derek Strider, he is a program specialist with the Department of Environment and Energy in Lincoln with their ag section. And one of the things that producers are struggling with, in particular with so much of this rain that we've seen in central Nebraska, south central Nebraska over the last couple of days, Derek, is their holding ponds. And we'll get into that a little bit, but I know you've been out in about surveying talk to us about some of what you've seen as you've gone out and assessed the damage well the the flooding is widespread through the central part of the state here and a lot of it is obviously caused by the Platte river some of the holding ponds that have we've been notified that have have run over has been normally from either just too much water coming in too fast or in, in some cases the outside water is raising and it comes in and it's actually coming into the pond from the outside. It's not from the feedlot. It's coming from the outside in and then flushing through. So when it, when it comes that fast, it's, it's pretty hard to, to deal with it no matter what kind of system you've got. So as they deal with this, are there things that they need to be reporting and maybe touch on the management as well? Well, yeah, if, they're, if they have a discharge, uh, meaning it leaves, leaves the holding pond, leaves the facility, um, and that's any operation, technically. If it's a medium, less than a 1,000 head, or a permitted operation, they need to notify us within 24 hours uh, verbally and a uh, written re- report follow-up within five days after the discharge ends. Um, from a management standpoint, you, you'd want to save a structure. Uh, my recommendation would be is if somebody's got a holding pond that is either running over or getting very close to running over, contact their inspector for their region or their area and talk through the process with them so that they have the proper information so they don't we don't want to we don't want a discharge that is unintentional that is an intentional discharge that's going to potentially get them into trouble there are management things uh, they can do but there's there's also things they can't do so talking with their their de rep uh they, you know on the phone or getting the first hand is going to be much better than than trying to run through and, and trying to wing it or talking coffee shop talk. 
And I'm sure it is a detailed process when you get into the do's and don'ts, but maybe just hit some of the high points for guys, things that they want to avoid as they deal with these issues. Well, probably the big thing is, you know, don't don't panic. Uh, don't just start dumping it. Don't pump it and let it run. Um, you know, if it's not running over, it's, it's I'm sure their ponds are full. Uh, hang loose. We got a forecast coming up here. It looks to me like several days of hot, dry weather. Um, give it a few days for the fields to firm up, and then once it does, start start dewatering. You know, uh, we do understand that when when you got a, a several million gallon holding pond full of water, you're not going to dewater it in two days. It may take a week or two, but the main thing is to show that we're making a diligent effort to get that process done, even if it's putting on small amounts at a time but we don't want it to run off from the application side either. So we, we got to use a little bit of just general common sense and management and work through it. It's, it's one of those things that's going to take some time, but Mother Nature gives it to us this fast, but it just takes a while to get rid of it. It's Derek Strider, Program Specialist with the Department of Environment and Energy with their Ag section, giving us information today on what producers can be doing if they're having issues with their livestock holding ponds after the flooding. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we review the grain markets today, and we saw the rally in soybeans. Yesterday they climbed in a kind of a bullish outside day. As we talk about it with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. What do you make of this before a major report that comes out tomorrow? Well, I, I think part of it could be physician squaring. The other part could be the Federal Reserve coming out with notes this morning that really indicated a rate cut. In fact, a couple of rate cuts are coming on the pipeline here, which should be bullish commodity in general. Uh, so we saw the markets take off dollar weekend at that point and really commodity in general started a rally so um you know that, that throws another complete monkey wrench into all of this because a weaker dollar is something we really haven't had to deal with the last four years uh, i know producers that'll be a good thing for you guys but from a marketing standpoint making sales makes you a little more scary here given the weather problems we have out east and now uh, talking to you before the radio obviously you guys have some issues with flooding as well so uh the crop in my opinion is starting to walk backwards a little bit which is normal this time of the year um you know, I'm going to completely disregard tomorrow. I know that's probably not a popular thing for a lot of folks to, to, to hear, but I just don't think it's going to matter over the, the, the next two to three weeks. Once we get this number, it's going to be digested quickly as we're going to focus more on what the actual yield is going to be and what is the acreage because we're going to get a resurvey in August anyway. So from somebody who sits here and has to manage risk, I wish they didn't have the report at all because if it's not going to be accurate, what's the point other than just to get everybody uh, all up in arms if the market doesn't go their way? All right. You can say, for instance, that we should protect ourselves to the downside right now before a report? I think if you're in it here at 440, you've got to be in it at 420 and 415, so in the case of corn. and uh, The worry I have with corn is wheat. You know, we've never, and again, I've said this before, I don't have any data, and I'm welcome anybody with more historical data than I have to prove it to me that corn has been more expensive than KC wheat at any point in the history of, of the sea bot. I'm sure at some point it has, but in modern history we haven't seen it. So we went today three over KC over corn, and, um, you know, kind of, well, I think we're now two and a half to three uh, into the close. So if wheat is gonna, not going to move, I think corn's going to have a difficulty really, really making a push, and I'm talking a push up to five. 
that said, Chicago wheat's got a heck of a story. We could get some bullish numbers tomorrow uh, as we wrap up the, uh, the the yield or the yield projections for for 2019-2020 marketing year. Um, demand is always going to be a question with wheat. They could simply you know reel back demand to offset any of the losses we get from the software wheat crop. But short term here. I think the market digests the report we get tomorrow. Again, if you're going to hold it here at 440 into the number, you need to hold it into 420 if the market would be bearish, because I think the numbers will be digested rather quickly. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. This is the Rural Radio Network. Well, that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com, Twitter, our app, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.